You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of All Things Fine and Gentry. Tell you what, <clears throat> it's been an, a, an amazing year. So uh, for those that have been along with me on this journey, um, we started this um, in in probably about June time frame or so to where, you know, we decided we were just going to have some good conversations, um, talk about life, talk about uh, exposure, what I've been exposed to and sharing with you all. And uh, it's been fun along the way. And I appreciate each and every one of you all for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome to All Things Fine and Gentry. Uh, this is the Connoisseur of French Thompson. We would love for you to uh, subscribe, go back and listen to some old episodes. Um, it's all pertinent stuff and uh, love for you to become a, uh, a subscriber and leave a review and, and let me know what you think. So uh, we're going to get right to it because um, I think the formalities uh, are all there. This has been a good holiday season. If you all know, we've been in our series Healthy for the Holidays, where we talked about a whole bunch of things uh, in, in regards to how to approach the holidays from a healthy mindset. Uh, we started with rest, uh, essentially talking about we, we, to start the holiday season, you have to figure out how to rest right uh, and be able to go from there. Uh, but we've also you know, dived into several things. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about living single. We even had last week lyrics and libations with Larry where we talked about our favorite holiday music and some good holiday drinks alongside of there. So um, this this last episode in this uh, Healthy for the Holidays, um, I'm, I'm bringing back uh, two folks that have already been featured on the podcast before. Uh, and, and really, it's conversations around the table. We're checking in with them on kind of how they've been and, and uh, approached this holiday season. But um, <clears throat> maybe you will or maybe you won't, but you'll be having conversations around the dinner table uh, in the holiday season. And some of those things are going to be, hey, what's going on? Good to see you. Hey, you lost some weight, et cetera. But some of them ain't going to be so cordial. There's going to be <laughs> some some tough topics that, uh, <clears throat> depending on how far you are in that uh, in your revelry of the season uh, or the day, it might get a little rough. So um, I brought back on my, my 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 boys here, folks that are well. When we ran the episodes, it was just great, great feedback. So I have Robert White here, who's uh, we affectionately call it RDW, Robert uh, uh, Rants, Discussions and Wisdom with Robert Deshaun White. Uh, and then I have Joseph Solis, who uh, we we checked in with him earlier in the year talking about fixing your fitness. Uh, so, gentlemen, welcome back to All Things Fine and Gentry. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. All right. All right. We're going to dig right into it. So, <clears throat> so least. Last time we talked with you, you mm -hmm. um, you challenged us and really yourself in regards to your fitness journey. And you had kicked off your fourth quarter, uh, uh, essentially motivation and uh, challenge here for not for, like I said, not only us, but yourself in regards to your fitness journey. And we we already we promised the listening audience that we would come back and check in with you, uh, see how that has been. So, I mean, we've seen the YouTube videos. We've seen the motivation. What's, what's up? How's the fourth quarter been for you? Fourth quarter is actually going pretty well. Um, you know, the goal at the beginning of it was to be in the best shape of my life. Now, do I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life? Not necessarily. You're not 22 year old anymore. <laughs> right. I'm not 22. <laughs> um, but I will say that I feel a lot better. I feel healthier than I did uh, pretty much most of this year. Mm. And I, I really enjoyed the challenge of being able to try to do something that I haven't done before in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is not to say that I was, it's not going to continue after the beginning of the year because it definitely will. Uh, we just might have to call it Q1 or something <laughs> like that, but, <laughs> but no, I'm, it's, it's, it's going well. I've actually, I've learned a lot about myself mm. and about my own habits uh, that I might 
have to change. You know, it's just like you just said, I'm not 22 anymore. So, you know, my eating habits, I can't eat whatever I want anymore. I can't, you know, I can't binge different foods and all. It's, 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 I have to figure out how to balance uh, the things in my life as far as my fitness goes. So what what, what what has been one of your, Walking into it, because I think this is great for people to hear somebody like you who, if you all, I mean, don't know Joseph Solis, which probably majority of the listening audience doesn't. Uh, he's a fair, fairly fit dude, right? He's a personal trainer. Um, he's even put together a fitness plan for my wife and myself, right? He's, he's trained probably half of our church uh, one way or the other, right? And saying, hey, get this thing together. But even hearing the challenges that you have had, I think that's motivation for people to realize that, hey, um, it's not just straight easy or, Hey, just follow the script and you're all there. What, what has been kind of where you thought, you know, the, the biggest, Hey, I'm gonna walk into this and do this. And then how you had to either reality met up with you or you said, okay, I need to pivot and be more uh, realistic or change my approach. Uh, so I'd, I'd say the first thing is having to ease into it. You know, when I was younger, I could just go to the gym and just kind of go hard at the beginning and, and you know, continue throughout, continue that with that pace mm-hmm. uh, throughout the entire program, whatever I was doing. But now it's more so of having to make sure that I'm stretched and make sure that I'm warm and make sure that, you know, I'm not going too hard and burning myself out and, you know, trying to live too, live too much, you know, hurting muscles, hurting my joints, things like that. I've, I've learned that, uh, I learned it over the years, but more specifically, like during this time, I've definitely realized how important it is to warm up. Mm. I realized how important it is to take my time to calculate exactly what I'm going to do mm. uh, within the gym, within my diet. And number two, I'd say is my diet. Yeah. At first, you know, I, I was eating clean and I think things were going okay. I wasn't noticing as as much of a change as I needed, as I wanted. Uh, So what I did was I calculated my macros and I actually started counting again, which I didn't necessarily want to do. Is that counting calories? Counting calories, counting my macros. So your macros will be your carbs, proteins, and fats. Calories, you know, the calories that you, the amount of food that you're going to eat. Uh, and essentially, like if you wanted to lose weight, which is kind of what I was wanting to do since I I gained over the you know course of you know the first six seven months of the year, uh, you want to be in a calorie deficit. Right. So essentially, you're burning more calories than you consume. And you know, I was saying this the other night. It's just it is it's a science, mm. and it, there's a formula that you just have to follow. And it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen within you know, a few weeks for some people. Yeah. But if you continue to, to follow the process, continue to follow the guidelines, uh, as far as this, this whole weight loss journey goes, then you will notice change in due time. So that's one thing I did this, uh, like maybe a week and a half ago is actually decided to finish out even stronger than I thought I would and started counting again, started nice. making sure uh, that I was eating the right things and I actually noticed after, you know, formulating all the, all that stuff, my wife helped me because she's kind of doing the same thing as well. She's, she's more so on the calorie counting side mm-hmm. and I'm more so just, I'm just going to eat healthy and do whatever feels right. Uh, so once I started doing that, I realized, you know, maybe I have been eating a little, little too much, mm-hmm. even if it's the right stuff it's still too much of the right stuff. So I had to, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a word right there. That's a right. word right there. Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. I mean, anything in abundance, right. Uh, can, can be, can be detrimental to you. Right. And that can do in all types of ways. Um, right. but that's, I think that's, that's some good stuff there. Cause I've known some people, my house included, we've gone like straight, you know, organic everything, right? And you're still like, man, I feel bloated or man, this doesn't feel right. And it's like, hey, you got to balance this thing out. And we just had this conversation about um, balancing your your microbiome, right? Uh, essentially saying you can't just eat the same thing every day because now right. your system 
isn't isn't you're you're actually still are malnourishing yourself by eating the same healthy thing every day without any right. type of diversity in there. And I think something uh, Pastor Rob preached about on Sunday was being like too much oil and not enough like mm. you know. Uh, whatever, whatever it was, you got to go back and watch it. But it was pretty much like he was making, he was making brownies making on stage, brownies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's that's kind of the same thing. Like you can't just be workout, 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 and not eating healthy, yeah. right? You have to, you have to find a balance to create the right formula to create the perfect brownie. You know, um, and, and, and so it's, yeah, and it's, it's different for everybody, right? And I think that's a big piece here. That right. uh, oftentimes we are so formulaic in our approach, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's why so many times these fad diets don't work because right. people sit there and say, well, insert celebrity here, just did this, 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 and this, and now they're perfect. And right. I'm just trying to do that. And why isn't it working for me? But you're like, to your point, like you, it's, this is a trial and error. This is something that you have to, to try and figure out what actually works for you. To be able right. to get those results, it's kind of I, I I kind of uh, you know I think it's similar to someone who's trying to be productive. Yeah, right. You might try ten different ways in becoming your most productive self, and you might try you know to do a you know a physical calendar where you write. You might try to do a calendar on your on your phone or on your tablet. You might try to follow this way, that way, this way, that way. Uh, but you know, it's like you said, it's trial and error. Yeah. Some some people will try this diet. This some people will try that diet. And whatever works for you works for you. But sometimes it takes a while to figure that out, and that's okay. It's it's this is a journey. It's not like it's, it's not the fitness. You know, hit it and quit it. Like it's it. You know, it's, it's, you, a, it's, it's a lifestyle shift, right? I mean, like yeah, it, it really is. And 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 this is perfect because Robert, you you've been, uh, I mean, essentially since your sabbatical. Right. You made a pivot in the way that you have proceeded in your your health journey. And yep. I mean, I know I've known you for, for years here and I know that, you know, you, you've hit the gym hard. Sometimes you've done some other things and, you know, have have challenged yourself. Um, but, you know, one of the things that you've picked up consistently, uh, I know we talked about this a lot uh, offline and online. It's just straight like, hey, I'm a walk at the bare minimum. Yep. This is what's going to happen. And I believe that you said that you've seen some some great results from it. Right. Yeah, so since my sabbatical, maybe a little bit before my sabbatical, the sabbatical is when I really took it serious, mm-hmm. um, but I've lost 86 pounds, right? Wow. And it's been in, like, I guess, a, maybe a six-month span, maybe a little less, um, but it's really just been me getting up. So I got three M's, right, that I kind of go by, and this kind of helps me not be so legalistic and stringent on myself. So I go by motivation, moderation, and movement. Mm. So motivation, right? I got to have the right motivation. It's me saying, why do you want to do this, right? And so if I want to be summertime, fine. Well, it's the winter. So I'm going to splurge on Christmas food Mm. and all that because summertime is not here yet. And that's what a lot of people do, right? They have these seasonal approaches to what they're going to do. And then in the wrong season, they have no motivation. Mm. And so one of the things that I realized is I got to have a motivation that is year round. I got to have a motivation that's bigger than this season. I got to have a motivation that's bigger than the next season. Cause if I decide I want to throw away the next season or Corona decides I ain't going to the beach. Yeah. Right. That's real. Summertime fine goes out the window. That's why the COVID 35 <laughs> is a real thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's real. And so for me, the right motivation was it. And then moderation, uh, just like what Joseph was talking about. Right. So just knowing, Hey, I can have this in moderation. So people say like, Oh, so are you a vegetarian now? Cause there's certain things I just don't eat or I'm saying I'm not eating. It's like, no, I'm just not having it today. But if yeah. I feel like having it, I'll have it like, right. I'll go and I'll have something that I want, but it's in moderation. And so moderation, a lot of times what we say is, well, I'm gonna have a little bit of it today and a little bit of it tonight and a little bit of it in the morning, <laughs> a little bit of it. No, like my moderation has literally shifted my mindset. That's good. Say so like, hey, my moderation is I'll have it every now and again. And then the last one is movement, right? I get up and I walk like every day. <laughs> uh, I literally have gotten to the point where uh, my appointments, my meetings, I, I, I orient them around my walking. So yeah. if we're going to meet at a restaurant and I know it's not going to make me like sweaty and nasty, but it's like, hey, it's a mile and a half. I'm going to park, give myself some time. I might take a meeting on the phone, mm. take that meeting while I'm walking, then get to my lunch meeting 
eat and walk back to my car. Well, I just knocked three miles out. That's real. Right. On top of my morning walk where I knocked three miles out, then I might just stroll with my kids. And uh, it's, it's helped me with my family. Right. We started doing a picnic. That's a little colder now. We started doing this this family kind of picnic thing on Mondays where we would pick a place, walk to it, eat dinner together and then walk back. Nice. So now I'm making it fun for my kids to walk two, two miles, three miles. And, and for me, it's just movement in my day where I'm adding little things that I'm already doing. I'm adding movement to it. So, yeah, that's been huge for me. And uh, awesome. it's made it fun. And it's made it one of those things where I'm not like striving to lose weight. I'm just living a different life and weight's coming off. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like, like, I mean, that, that was nugget right there right so ultimately i'm not striving to lose weight but i'm moving i'm living my, i've changed my lifestyle and it's coming off right and and i think i think that's so good for so many people <clears throat> beyond just physical fitness right is ultimately right. whatever you're struggling with whatever you sitting here like man this is tough i can't get past x i can't get over y well change your lifestyle and moment by movement by movement it's going to come off right just because right. if if you aren't if you aren't uh, uh, dwelling or living or swimming in whatever type of you know cesspool that you're trying to get out of, your you you will your scent will change over time just because you aren't doing right. that thing. You know right. what I mean? Like I'm sure there's so many quotes and probably even stuff I put up on IG, but I just that's just it, man. And it's been very interesting in this COVID season, even as we've talked through, uh, you know, this healthy for the holidays uh, piece. How many people have? realized um, either good or bad habits that they had that they've needed to try to maintain or or eliminate uh, and things that have you talked about that that COVID 35 right <laughs> that it, that's a it's a mental 35 a physical 35 all these things that people have piled yes. on because they have not had the ability to either be distracted by doing other things or they've allowed for themselves to kind of get just you know absorbed into whatever life they've they've created it's, it's good right it is good i think one of the things that uh we have to to do is make sure that we are we and that gets called back to the motivation piece i guess we have to make sure that we are striving we are looking for the life that we desire and then building the habits to, to have that life yeah i think so many people have regrets because they had a life in mind that they weren't willing to work for mm. right so i've got this dream of who I want to be and where I want to be and how I want life to be. But then I'm looking at, I just want it to come to me. And, mm -hmm. the, and the thing is, there are certain action steps that I have to take. And I, I mean, pun intended, right? I have to take the steps. So for me, right. if I'm going to lose the weight, <laughs> I've realized I have to take the steps. And, and what happens is the steps become, I love it because it doesn't become easier to walk every day. Like I get up and I walk and some days I don't want to walk. Yeah, I don't want to walk, but I tell you what, what, what makes it worth it. It's how I feel when I'm done walking. Yes. Not necessarily how I feel before I walk. And I think for many people, they're going to look and they're going to say, well, I tried this for three months, whether it's like you said, I want to read a book a month for, for 2021, 2021's coming, right? People have crazy goals, mm -hmm. things they're going to do. You're going to read the first book. You're going to feel amazing. And you're going to think I'm so excited to read the next book. No, you're not. Yeah. You're not going to have time. You're not going to feel the motivation. You're going to have the energy. Your focus is going to be off. Life is going to hit. But when you finish it, the accomplishment of doing it, the conversation that you have, that the rooms that you can go in because you have a new knowledge, that is the thing. You have this life that you desire. You got to be willing to take the steps. It doesn't get easier to walk, but it sure feels good when you get done. I, I tell you what's been interesting. Um, uh, on well, I revealed this last week on lyrics and libations, but um, I've started yoga. Right, so part of my. Um, <laughs> Failed attempt at uh, changing my life in, in year 37. Uh, for those that have followed me, I did this 37 by 3 challenge, right? I'm going to do all these things. One of those is going to be walking all the time. The other one was it's going to be mental, physical, emotional, right? And so, you know, the mental piece was master class. Now, I've been getting this master class. Oh, you uh, I've been in this master class, and uh, it's, it is some good stuff in there. I've been focusing primarily on culinary arts um, because I love to cook. But they got so many things in there. So I've been I've been getting in on this master class. You know, the physical was going to be the walking, uh, but also was going to pick up yoga uh, and, and the emotional was going, you know, is part of that as well. So I started this yoga piece and um, my yoga partner right now is located on the East Coast. 
for you all that don't know, I am on the West Coast. So there's a three hour <laughs> difference. And he's a father. He has a family, all these types of things. So it's like, you know, you ain't doing this at night because either you're too tired or you're trying to get all this other stuff done or you're like, man, I just want to go to bed. So it's in the morning. All right. Well, how early in the morning do I have to get up so that it does not become a burden on him trying to do this? So that means that I'm up at 430, right, doing yoga so that he can be, you know, he can get yoga in at 730. And it, so it's like the, and it was easy. The, the, the first classes, to your point, Robert, right, the first classes, because uh, they have this kind of starting uh, series, um, kind of like for beginners. And the first class is a, is a one week deal. And we walk through it and be like, oh, man, this is good. I'm feeling good. Oh, I'm stretching all these things. Right. And you feel accomplished. They were like, hey, you know, let's let's do that again just to make sure that we are not, you know, being um, uh, too too confident. So we went through the, the week, uh, the, the beginners again. And then the third week, we was like, all right, we're going to go into the intermediate course, right? And these people, it's, and I'll tell, it's breathe. You look them up; they're called Breathe and Flow. Um, as a as a husband and a wife team, uh, and so it's a twenty eight deal that we're in now. And uh, the first day, I mean, and, and so it, this is the other piece. They they good. It was like thirty minutes on the intermediate. It's forty five on the. I mean, thirty minutes on the, the preliminary or the beginners. Forty five on the intermediate. And you're like, in 15 minutes, you, you know, you, you waste 15 minutes in your life. 15 <laughs> minutes doing yoga? Nah, bro. I'm in this boy. That's 50% like, of the first class. Man. Yes. That's 50% of the first class. Right. You added a 50%, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's crazy. And, you know, and I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, I used to be like, oh, man, yoga seems like that's, that's really cool. People are really at peace. They at peace because they didn't work their butt off right. <laughs> the first 30 minutes. But I mean, it's it's been good. But you wake up when that alarm ring at four thirty. It's like ah. Oh. But you right. get in there when I'm done, and you go through the process. You feel better. I mean, you you can feel it differently in your joints and your bones and all these types of things. You can feel the difference in your, uh, in your in your core and stuff like that. And so it's it's it is challenging. But to your point, you gotta you gotta stick with it because otherwise yeah. it's 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 waste, right? And we're going to talk in the new year a lot about vision. Uh, vision casting and how to do that. But I, I want to get you all's opinion on something that I saw recently. Uh, and then we're going to kind of pivot into some 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 deeper conversations at the table. So um, the, the quote said, uh, a, a vision without a plan, uh, all you're left with is dreams, right? Mm -hmm. So essentially, if you have a vision, but don't have a plan with it, all it is is just a dream. And so uh, think about from a fitness perspective, from a life perspective, um, you know, what, what, what do you guys think about that and how, how have you seen either some things that you thought were vision that ended up just as dreams? And I would even dare say that if you plan poorly or don't plan at all, it becomes a nightmare. So how many of those things have, um, have, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that in regards to either your own experiences or, uh, or your just you know, raw thoughts on it? I would say as far as planning goes, uh, for me, it's something that has become necessary. Mm. I, I've lived most of my life, I feel like, just kind of doing what feels right, in a sense. Like, I, I, there's, you know, little planning here and there, but majority, it's just, you know, this feels right, especially when it comes to working out. Like, I don't, I never really had, I had a plan per se, like Monday. I would do like chest Tuesday. I'm doing arms Wednesday, shoulders, Friday, back Saturday, or, you know, whatever next day, uh, legs. That, that was kind of my thing. I never really had a plan like going in, like what exactly, what, what are the exact exercises I'm going to do today? Uh, how much time am I going to spend doing this? You know, whatever felt right is what I was doing. Right. I had, a, you know, once I get to my location, I know what to do, mm. but I never really had a plan of, you know, do this machine, do this machine next, do this, you know, these free weights, whatever. Uh, but now being older, having to manage my time, having to, you know, it's not just me in college yeah. at, at 8, 8, 8 p.m. being able to work out for three hours every day. Like I have other stuff to do now. So now it's, it's more so I have to plan just to be able to do what I need to do and also take care of, you know, being at home, take care of stuff for work, take care of, you know, uh, 
handling, you know, just my relationship, my marriage, my, you know, hanging out with my friends, my family, all that news, all these different things you kind of have to, it's, it's necessary to have plans because I feel like if you don't, it's just, you're going to be wandering aimlessly and with really no, no direction, you know, you have nowhere to go. Yeah. You know where you want to be. And it's, it, I can definitely relate to the having dreams part, right? You know where you want to be. You can see it, you can see it in your head <laughs> and you know exactly what it looks like. But yeah. if you don't like plan out a route to get there, like you're not going to get there. That's, that's just, that's just, that's, that's facts. So, so the difference between a dream and a vision, right? Is that a dream happens when you sleep and a vision happens when you're awake. <laughs> so, so there's no action attached to dreams. They're passive. Wow. Right. And so vision, vision implies that there has to be, here's the thing. You can have a vision, but if you don't take any action, like you, you're, you're in a trance. Ooh. There's the difference, wow. right? Because you're awake. So you're in a trance now. You're standing in the middle of a space that you're 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 potentially putting setting yourself up for danger. And so with a dream, it's like it's something passive, it's something that you dream, you got up, you said, Man, this would be awesome if this was real life. But it was passive, it just happened to you. And one of the things that I believe is you gotta make plans so that you can make it happen when things happen. Mm. You make plans so you can make it happen when things happen. You're going back to the gym analogy, right? You go to the gym, you got a plan to work chest that day, right? I mean, I'm talking about a plan, not just I'm going in to do, hey, man, I want a big chest one day. That's a dream, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Or you even have a vision, right? I have a vision. I'm going to go in and I'm going to work out uh, chest in the gym. But you have a plan. You say, look, I'm going to do bench press, incline, decline, cable crossovers, you know, a chest fly machine. I'm going to do some some dips. Like you, you just have hashtag humble brag. He's been in the gym. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm just saying. So you go in and you have your plan and you know you're going to do how many sets, how many reps, you know which machine you're going to, you know what area in the gym you're going to be at. So you have your plan. You made the plan. Now you go in and you make it happen. So you hit the bench press and you're good. And then you look over and there's a dude still on the incline press. Or, or, or a woman, you know what I'm saying? This is all <laughs> right. right, exactly. All people can be on there. Right. It could be or a woman. You look over and there's a lady or a guy on the incline machine. But because you have a plan, you now can make it happen when things happen. Mm. If you don't have a plan, you're sitting there kind of thinking, oh, man, he's on that incline. What do I do next? I mean, they got crossovers. Do I really feel like doing that? Is this really good for me? Is this going to be good for my chest? Nope. You skip over that next thing. You, you, you tailor it to the back of the plan and you keep working. And you keep going. You can keep moving with the plan. When you don't have a plan, you kind of get stuck. Again, you're in a trance. And so you make plans so that you can make it happen when things happen. Hey, dude. So it was very, very interesting watching, I will say, the um, uh, commerce overall, not just e-commerce, but commerce overall during COVID. And you look at how many of these um, uh, businesses, be it uh, small businesses or chain restaurants, et cetera, that have survived versus not or took advantage of or didn't uh, when COVID hit, right? And so two, two, um, two restaurants or, or fast food restaurants that I, I say that to your point, had a plan and were able to take advantage of it when it hit are Chipotle and Chick-fil-A. I was just right. talking to Brandon Powell about this today, bro. Dude. Just talking to him about so, it. <laughs> so I remember two years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, but Chick-fil-A did this big push for for the Chick-fil-A One app. We want you to get on the app, get on the app, get on the app, pre-order. We're going to make these little spots that you can do all this. But, you know, people are like, ah, oh, that's fine. I'll just go to the drive-thru. I'll walk in, right? Even me, there were some times I'm like, it's quicker. I can just walk in, right? But they pushing this, pushing this. We're going to give you points, all these types of things, right? To where people start doing it more and more. You start seeing increased parking for, you know, uh, fast pickup. You start seeing all these types of things that change. They change inside of their restaurant. So, hey, this is for people that are picking up. All these types of things put together. I would even add Panera Bread into that, that we're doing these things, right? Yep. COVID hits. They they don't even skip a beat nope. because they've conditioned. They increased the business. Increased the business. They've seen the, they, they, they had a plan, they executed, and then now COVID hit. It was like, bet, you can still come to the drive-thru, place your pre-order, we good to go. Chipotle, the same way. Panera Bread, the same way to this rapid pickup, all these things. And then you look at others who who didn't have that mindset to pivot early on to this mobile, to this pre-order, all these things. And they struggle. And some of them won't make it. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like, I mean, that's a prime example of what, what you were just talking about there. 
So, so just to piggyback on that, there's a guy I was talking to. I mentioned his name. Most people won't even know who he is, but he's a guy who is a, a he manages a Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's what he does. And one of the things that he was telling me was they're thinking now about what's next. Like they're, wow. they're not saying stagnant on what's been. Mm-hmm. They are literally saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I'm not going to mention it out loud because it may not be <laughs> what they want out and their competitors get all mad. Because all <laughs> things fun and gentry is global. You it know is what I'm global. Saying? We have a global uh, <laughs> That's right. So, but, but he gave me some of the things that they're working on now. And I'm like, man, this is going to be amazing and they're putting in a plan because they are looking at what's next they're not just looking at wow it would be good to have business over here they're saying this is how we're going to get to over here chipotle has stated publicly that ultimately almost any new restaurant that they build or even some of the existing ones they are taking they're going to take out dining room area and it will be walk up and pre-order only and drive through like legit they're like oh i mean with the places that they actually have drive but they're like I can cut my footprint in half, my physical footprint, 50% by taking out the dining room because you pre-order, you come in, you go. Yep. And that's, that's that mindset of, of pivoting. All right. All right. So that, that's, that's great kind of, uh, I will call it uh, current event stuff. Now, there, there's something that I, I do want to pivot and ask you guys about because, uh, again, these are conversations at the table. And just like we've had this, we just kind of go walk through, hey, did you see this on the news, et cetera. So. A couple of weeks back, um, and I didn't even see it because I'm, I'm I'm still a newbie on social. But uh, I see Mr. Probably Solis, the best. Mr. Solis <laughs> posts this thing about uh, a restaurant called True Kitchen, where uh, you have uh, it's a it's a black owned establishment in downtown Dallas, uh, and um, it's really popular. Uh, where you know great food, great atmosphere. Um, and uh, and ultimately, there's a DJ in there and all this type of stuff. Well, the DJ is playing some music. They have some good drinks. And, you know, a young lady decides to get a little um, rowdy uh, at the location. And I'll just be honest. I mean, she starts, I mean, it's, it's in the news. She starts twerking, right? Which, you know, has been um, uh, made popular by a lot of female artists and things like that. But, like, not standing on the floor, but, like, getting into the 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 actual bench the booth and up against the window right and you're like what happened so from my understanding and looking at the video the owner comes over has a conversation says hey you know just to them table hey can you all just you know calm down this isn't kind of the place for it blah 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 blah. it seems like that's all right he walks away doing whatever needs to be done Uh, apparently from my understanding it happens like another time he addresses it third time he goes off he's like yo this ain't this is not what this is about. And he goes out to the whole restaurant. Is this not what it's about? This is, you all need to get your, you know, essentially change your mindset here. Uh, and it was a good conversation I saw on social. I mean, people blew up about it, all different sides of it, you know, et cetera. But I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, why is this even a conversation today? Right. right? And, you know, the defense of it and whatever, and I may get some haters on this, but the defense of it of, well, he shouldn't have had a DJ or he wants to have a club atmosphere. That's what you get. He shouldn't have went off on the rest of the patrons. In my mind, it's like, where's the where's the corporate responsibility? Where is collectively the we saying we are not comfortable with this? And so before I give too much of my opinion, I, hmm. I'll let you guys roll with it and kind of share what you what, what you thought about it. I'll let you go. How did you start, Joe? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, where, where do I start? Um, so when I first saw this, uh, it was probably like 10, 11 at night. I was on social media and I see people discussing this kitchen or this, you know, this restaurant. Who, and I, didn't, I had no idea it was even Dallas, Texas to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um but I see this, just like you said, I see this guy going off. And I'm like, all right, man, what is, what is this about? And yeah, everything that you just said is what I heard. She, uh, the restaurant owner had told this table and I think other tables as well to, you know, this isn't a place for that. And it continued to happen. And, you know, I think it came to a point where he was just like, hey, I've had enough. And not only am I going to tell you, I'm telling everyone just, just so we're all clear, you right. know, just so everyone's clear, <laughs> this, this ain't it. Uh, people were upset at the fact that he went off on the whole restaurant. They're upset that he, um, 
used the language that he used, which, okay, sure. Um, my thing is like, you know, it's, I'll say this, I'll drop this. You got people in, in higher levels of authority and influence that use worse language. Than right. That. But, right. All right. Go ahead. And you know, when I think about it, I'm like, Oh, this is his business. Right. This is something that he owns, something that he spe- he specifically said when he was going off that he made this for us to enjoy. Yeah. Right. But there are certain guidelines that he wants followed, which is just shouldn't be an issue. There should be no question about it. Like, this is your business. This is this man's business. This is what he wants. We need to follow these rules if we're going to want to be in this establishment. And for him to have to continue coming back and to have his rules broken like literally not only are you just breaking rules, but you're creating an environments where like if she would have fallen liability, like you're, you're, you have your hand, you're leaning on a glass wall. Like, well, I mean, I don't understand what the, I don't, I don't understand the outrage. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out weeks later. <laughs> like, what are we even, why are we even arguing about this Right at this point? You know, I hear term, I hear, I hear phrases like, uh, uh, what is it? There's one that, that is continuously used every time something like this happens. Respectability politics. Yeah. I'm like, uh, this. that's not what this is. Like, in this, that's not what this is in this case. Like, this is, we're in a seemingly fully black restaurant. Black owners, black workers, black patrons. I mean, I, I don't understand where that comes into this conversation. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, people, people like to be upset. And I think once a certain group gets upset a certain amount of people, then, you know, everyone just kind of follows in people aren't really allowed to have, uh, differing opinions these days on, on these types of subjects, especially within the black community. Like for some reason, I feel like we, you know, a certain amount of us feel like we're like just a monolith. Like we all have to think and act alike, think, act, you know, behave a certain way. And if you don't agree with it, then you're essentially you're not black. Mm-hmm. Either you're not black or not black enough or whatever it may be. And that's just not the case, you know. But I feel like there is a level of just being respectful. Like yeah. just period. Not respect, you know, not respectability politics. It's just it's just being respectful. And it becomes an issue like, well, that's just our culture. <laughs> That's the problem I have. Yeah. I mean to cut you no, off. No, you go ahead. No, That's good. the problem that I have because so so it's not just true kitchen, but years ago, and we just came out of an election, but the when this election cycle started four years ago, when we got our current president, who is uh, now not the president elect, but anyway, I'm gonna get that. But <laughs> comedian, I won't say his name, but it was a comedian that said on paper, our current president is blacker than Barack Obama because he has multiple baby mamas. Mm -hmm. Like that offended me to no end because we get this man in office who represents the beauty of what I desire for my, he has two daughters, I have two daughters. Mm -hmm. He's married to his wife and loves her, I'm married to my wife and love her. He is is striving to do the things that he is, he he feels as his purpose in life. I'm striving to do the things that I feel are purpose in my life. And this comedian literally said, but I'm not black enough. Yeah, And for me, it is one of those things that tears us down because what we do is we take, I won't even say the most negative because I won't say twerking is negative. It wasn't appropriate for the setting right, because right. the owner of the restaurant said it's not appropriate for the setting, right? So if it's his establishment, he said, this is not what this was designed for. This is what he, uh, this, he gets to set the boundaries and the culture of that particular area. The problem is when we begin to demean people who are creating spaces by saying, well, you just don't want to be black anymore or this is not black enough. Like I get that as, as a leader of an organization, I mean, for your listeners, right? They know I'm a pastor right. of a church that we all attend, but it's not a traditional black church. And so what some people tell me is, you know, well, we're, we're, we're escaping our heritage. We're not doing what we're doing. We're trying to be white or something. Like that. That's not true. Like I am still a very passionate preacher. I do certain things, but there are certain things that we do differently simply because of who we are called to reach, right. not even who we desire to reach, who we are called to reach. And, and I think there is a target market for every, we just want to use a business term. I'll get away from spiritual, but if you have a business, right? There's a target market that you're looking for. There is a certain demographic that you're working on. And so when you, aim to reach that demographic 
It doesn't say that that demographic won't twerk. It's just you hope that your demographic understands that you're not going to twerk here. You can do that over right. there. And I right. think that's right. what he was, he was he was declaring. The problem is we don't like accountability. And I'm not saying we as in like black people. I mean people, right. human beings. We don't like accountability. Because what you hear is the women did it. When he holds them accountable, they're going to double down on what they're doing because nobody's going to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest problem that we find ourselves in. Humans have to find ourselves in a position where we say, hey, I'm not the ultimate authority in this situation. And so while I'm not the ultimate authority in this situation, as long as my rights aren't being violated, I need to submit to this. Now, when your rights are being violated, protest, by all means, fight, by all means, rebel, by all means, revolt. But when your rights aren't being violated, I mean, her her right to twerk, are we really about to say that? <laughs> the right to twerk? Is this is this what this this is what we march for? Is the right to twerk? Right. Like, and I get it. Yeah, right to twerk in, in the right setting, but this this man has a right to a culture in his restaurant. And so I think there's accountability. We talk about respectability politics. What about accountability politics? That's good. Well, I think there's a level of accountability that's lacking in in, in most of our, our, our areas uh, in our country. I, 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 you know, I'm not a global traveler like that. I've been to several places, but I think our country, especially, uh, we use our rights as a reason to rebel against accountability. I agree, yeah. Uh you know, you said you wouldn't say that black people in general have a problem with accountability. I would. I mean, I mean, this look, I've noticed in recent years, it's almost like black people as a, let me say as a whole, but the black people I encounter who I, you know, who, who I'm friends with circle, either yeah, or my social sphere, circle, yeah. even on social media, like, yeah, it's almost like we should be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, because we are black. Would you argue that it's a response though, to the lack of accountability from another culture? I think their lack mm -hmm. of accountability, right. As it relates to, and when I say there, I mean the majority culture, their lack of accountability as it relates to justice, as it relates to other things. Mm -hmm. I think we are responding. I don't think it's a right response. I don't right. think it's a right response, but I think it's a response to, what we've seen, that's why I say it's a human thing, especially in America, right? That's why I say, especially in America. I think there's been a lack of accountability by majority culture. Right. Black people are now following suit saying, listen, we're, we're owned a lot. We're owned, we're owed, uh, yeah. rather. We're owed this mm -hmm. in this season of our, of, of, of our existence. And the only thing it's gonna do is gonna spread, it's gonna trickle down because the next thing you're gonna get is gonna get another group of people with racial, we're sexual, owed the same sexual preference, yep. whatever, right. right. We're owed this and we can do whatever we want. You can't tell us anything. You can't say anything to us. There's no accountability. I think it just trickles down. I think it's where foundations create the, 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 the structure. And so the foundations of our nation are built on a lack of accountability. You still humans, I hate to go there. Yeah. You still humans and put them to work. There's no accountability in that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, right. you take people's right. land. I'm literally working with my daughter. She's in fifth grade and they're going through social studies in fifth grade. And Manifest Destiny is like, you know, is a big part of American history. And one of the lines in it was the Americans felt the desire to take territory, even if there were other people there. Mm -hmm. Like they teach these kids this as a line of like, this was our, our destiny. It's oh, almost a spiritual yeah. language. It, I mean, and so I think that lack of accountability has led to our lack of our, our desire to have a lack of accountability. I, I would question I, just real quick. Like, I know black people don't want to be held accountable by white people as a whole. Yeah. But then when it comes to the point where it's like, if they if they can't hold us accountable, okay, whatever. But if we can't hold us accountable, yeah. Like then what? Because I feel like that's kind of where we are now. It's like we can't oh, it's even a hold slope. us. Accountable. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. You're right. I, I think there's been, I think, I mean, we, we talked about this before and I'm going to have a, a fatherhood series uh, in, in the, in the spring, but I think there's been this, you know, and we, 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 I know we, we can go deep into this, but there's only so much time that we have for people to actually lend us their ear. But I think there's been a breakdown of, you talked about the, the, um, uh, the foundation, but there's been a breakdown of the of the uh, responsibility and accountability in family, which then perpetuates itself el elsewhere. Right. Because Absolutely. if there are standards that you were raised in, be it within your house, within your church, et cetera, you take those things with you. Right. And, you know, maybe you test the boundaries of them every now and then. But 
there is this certain level of like what I teach my daughter, like my, my son and they, my daughter, they both have affirmations that they say every day. And as they get older, we've added to them. Right. But one of the first things I did with my daughter, who's three. But the first thing I did with my daughter when she did her affirmations, one of her lines is, I am a lady. I will act like and be treated like a lady. Right. And so to reiterate that, like just today, her and her brother got into it. And I mean, she don't play like she'll, she'll put the paws on them. Right. But, um, you know, she got real mad and, you know, yelling at him and stuff like that. So I had to come upstairs and I looked at her and I said, what happened? And so she explained what happened. And I said, is that acting like uh, a lady? And she's like, no. I'm like, you know, you can be you can be angry. You can be frustrated. Nobody's saying that you didn't have a right. You know what I mean? Who know your brother irritates you because that's what he did. He's a brother. That's his job. His job is to to <laughs> instill in you resilience to deal with knucklehead boys, right? That's literally his job. But your response, the way that you react to it is your choice. You right. know what I mean? And I think that's where, because of that, I think there's a there's a breakdown. In that, and, and that, that goes on both sides of something happening to you or the way that you project yourself, right? And yes. so one of the things that I am constantly, I constantly have this battle uh, mentally in my mind, even on the, uh, in, in the professional environment, is that I, be, that I have to be a stereotype buster. You know what I mean? I have to come in here and always, because it's that, that's, back to True Kitchen, that's a stereotype that people see and feel and hear, and they look at it and say, oh, well, that's what they do. Right. But that's no, that is not it. That is a small subset. But unfortunately, it gets blasted out. It gets exacerbated right. to the point that then, you know, for for others, you feel like you have to counteract that you got to have some type of counterbalance. And I think just because of the way that society has set this up, that you see more of that versus, you know, the flip side. And therefore, you just look at it and say, this is this is how they act. If you're looking on the outside or if you're on the inside, you look and say, well, psh, it's, people accept it. It is what it is. It's fine. We can do this, right? Um, and I think that just that creates this this belief that be it untouchability, un, you know, no accountability, whatever it is. And it's when I saw that, and I saw the comments. It wasn't that I wasn't as saddened by the action that you know was right. videotaped. What hurt me to my core were the comments. And how yeah. many people just went off on the owner about, right. well, he shouldn't yeah. have done this, 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 and this. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. We shouldn't have even been in this situation in the first right. place. Right. right, right. This ain't Rick right. James. I mean, so. <laughs> really can, I, can I go back to something, though? And this, this is something that I will specifically say about Black people in America, right? We have been, and again, I could take it back to a conditional thing, but we have to take responsibility for it that we, we are hard on each other in a way that I think we don't give each other the grace that we should. Mm -hmm. and here, I'll go back to this. We talked about Chipotle and Chick-fil-A, mm -hmm. that if Chipotle, right, has an incident or something of that nature that happens, now in today's cancel culture, I may be off on it, but <laughs> something happens, we don't make every Chipotle the problem. Right. It's Chipotle on right. such and such drive, that's the issue. And I don't go there anymore, right? But when True Kitchen has a problem, this is why I don't mess with black businesses. Right. This is why I don't do such and such. And we are so hard on ourselves. And really, I would argue that it's a level of self-criticism. Mm. That sometimes it's the insecurity within ourselves that causes us to lash out at other people who look like us to justify the fact that you're actually worse than how I feel. You're worse than how I feel. Like I already feel bad about me, but I'm going to I'm going to prove that you are worse than how I feel about me. And so this guy has done a great job to build a business, a business that listen, I was talking to a couple yesterday who my man ain't hurt. They still had to wait over an hour. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. Oh, yeah. This was yeah. yesterday. Um, this man has done a great job to build a business that is a desired place for people to go and interact um, and be a part of this environment. And and. Um, Folks have now saw that and they say, you know what? I don't feel good about myself. I had dreams that I didn't do, that I didn't build up, that I didn't get to. And rather than saying, man, he he created a culture of something that they wanted to do. And he's he's actually guarding what it is that he. Right. We talk about making a plan. Yeah. So that when, so you can make it happen when things happen. Yep. Right. My man did that. 
And instead of celebrating him for it, we have to tear him down because we feel bad about what we didn't do. And I know some people give me pushback on that, but really that's a lot of times what actually happens yeah. mm-hmm. in situations like this, right? When we're overly critical of someone's decision to guard what it is that they've built. Now, I'm not talking about injustice because there's some guarding that's going on in our country mm-hmm. that don't need to happen, but right. that's a whole other story. No, nah, that's good. All right. So <clears throat> last thing, we'll pivot on to some of more of a positive note here. And then uh, we're definitely going to have more RDW, more, more more fix your fitness, but it's also fixing your, your you know, maybe your framework, right? It's all over with Joseph because mm-hmm. he, he's, he's social commentary, man. I, I love Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So so one other thing that's happened is local, uh, but but it, it's it's very, I would call it indicative of, of call it a shift in, in everything. Uh, the city of Mansfield, Texas just got a new mayor who's African-American, yep. first African-American mayor. Um, and the city has some long-term uh, or, or long-standing challenges that they've had over the decades, centuries, uh, in the way that they've they've approached race relations. And Joseph, you're, 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 you're from Arlington. So you're, I mean, literally, that's like next door uh, yep. to, to Mansfield. So you grew up in and around this area. Uh, kind of where, where did you, you know, what were your thoughts? And then the other piece, Robert, obviously you, you actually know the mayor. Um, uh, but I, I guess, uh, Joseph, from your circle and, you know, your parents that have been in Texas and all these types of things, what, 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 how was that received and kind of the thoughts that you have? And then Robert, what do you think this, this means for not only kind of, you know, not to say politics in Mansfield, but, but he's a, he's a pastor as well. And so, you know, there's this conversation about, um, uh, you know, preachers and politics or, you know, pastors getting involved in this kind of what your thoughts are there. And then we'll, we'll, uh, leave some people waiting for the next time we, we get together. So go ahead, Joe. Uh, that's, that's, man, it's just, it's really awesome to see, uh, for those who don't know the history of Mansfield, Texas, uh, they were the last city or school district in the United States to allow African-Americans in. So, for them to now have a black mayor is, uh, I think it's pretty awesome. I, I grew up in Arlington, Texas, which is, uh, Mansfield is right on the border of Arlington. You drive a little south, uh, then you're in Mansfield. Uh, I have, there's like two different parts of Mansfield, right? right? In my in my mind, right? You have Mansfield, like what you see on TV, what you, what you might look at when you go to, you know, look at a website or whatever, whatever it may be. But then you have like old Mansfield, which mm-hmm. is kind of like near a city called Kennedale, right? Um, and I can definitely understand. Uh, you can you can see the history there. Yeah, I'll say that you can see the history there, and it's still that way in certain areas. But no, I think I think it's really awesome that Mansfield now has a its first black mayor. I think it's awesome that he is a black Christian man. Yeah. Um, you know, with a family who, who I believe who has a good head on the shoulders, who is able to lead in a way, uh, that will, I guess, make Mansfield, take Mansfield to another place. Yeah. I'll say. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on it. I'm not, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about him. I don't really know any, I don't know much about him more than, uh, those things that he is a pastor, he's a man of God, and, uh, and he's the first black mayor. So, no, big ups to him. Yeah. Like, seriously. Robert? Well, so I'm way more biased than Joseph, right? <laughs> so, so, Mike Levins Sr. is an amazing dude. Is, uh, made, uh, he's the president, also, y'all don't understand, know this, of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Wow. And so, you know, our, our church uh, supports the BGCT. Um, and his son uh, was in one of my family groups when I first started doing youth camps mm-hmm. um, years ago. His son is now working for the BGCT. So I am partial to the Evans family. One of his employees at the church is youth pastor Carlos Francis, one of my good friends. So I'm biased. So the All Things Fine and Gentle <laughs> uh, crew is going to get a very slanted opinion to this. Before I go to my slant, I will say this. Uh, the reason why it's significant for Mansfield to have such a black marriage, if you go back to that desegregation thing, uh, after Board ver- Brown versus Board of Education, it was the mayor and the, uh, I believe, the police chief who stood in front of the schools and prevented wow. black students from being able to come in. It was the mayor himself who was opposed to integration. And so for the for the mayor to now be black 
is a huge win yeah. for a city in which the mayor was like, you know, where in other cities you got, you know, police would be involved or school district superintendents, but the mayor himself is like, no, nah, over my dead body type of thing. This is a huge thing. Um, to the point of Michael Evans, like you said, Joseph, I think all the things that people are saying about him are true. He's a man of God. He is a guy who, who loves all people. Baptist General Convention of Texas is not a black organization. It is an organization of Baptist believers um, throughout the state of Texas, 5,300 churches of all walks, right? Traditional black churches, freedom type churches, you know, churches, cowboy churches, white <laughs> churches, Hispanic churches, Asian churches, international churches. So he has a heart for all people. Uh, his son actually is on the, I believe it's called the CLC, the Commission uh, for Life, something like that. But it, he actually works with policies in Austin mm. for the churches. So he presents policies to say, how can the Bible be applied to modern life? Nice. Like that's what his son does, a graduate of Princeton Divinity School. Um, and so when we look at like his, his election, it is huge for several reasons. One, it proves in this evangelical world that we're living in that you can be pro-justice and pro-Jesus. That's good. Mm. Because there are several people who would say, and I know all things, you know, everybody's not a faith person. I'm going to make this about faith. But there are people in the evangelical Christian world who would say, if you're pro-justice, then you really want to shut down the church. Like I, I was having a conversation with someone recently and they were saying, well, we know now that because politics are going the way they are, that the church is going to shut down. <laughs> but there's this narrative that if you care about the lives of minorities, you care about the lives of immigrants, you care about the lives of people that you don't care about the church. And, and that's just not a true narrative. And so Michael Evans, in, in this sense, in Mansfield, is a is a representation in a city that has a longstanding history of this type of thinking, uh, is a microcosm of what we can actually see in the world today or in our country, really, is that you can't be pro-justice and pro-Jesus, or pro-justice and whatever it is your other stance is, uh, but, but for him specifically, pro-justice and pro-Jesus. I think there is a a narrative that is going around that, you know, if you're pro-Jesus, then you don't do justice. Mm -hmm. And if you're justice, you don't do Jesus. And I think that's myopic, it's small-minded. I think the same thing that black people are suffering from right now as it relates to the monolith, Christians are suffering wow, from. And good. I think what we have to do is we have to figure out a way to broaden our, our perspectives in a way to include the fact that my way of thinking is not the only way of thinking. And just because we think differently doesn't mean that one or the other is wrong. Now, there are some clear lines of delineation, right? But those lines of delineation have been uh, shrunk down to some very small, myopic like circles. And I think we need to broaden those out again. Like there are certain things that we just don't have to agree on. My dad used to say this all the time. In the essentials, we show unity. In the non-essentials, we show liberty. In all things, we show charity or love. And I think that is something that we got to get back to, right? What are the essential things that we need to, even if you want to just take a constitutional approach, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Well, let's let's hold on to this essential and show unity. In the non-essentials, we show Liberty. Hey, man, you may not believe politically like I believe red, blue, Democrat, Republican, you know, uh, uh, immigration, whatever those stances are. We show liberty and we have conversations that are open and civil. And in all things, we show charity. We show love to everyone and grace to everyone. So I think Michael Evans provides the opportunity for us to see that in action. And I think that's why this is significant, not only because it's Mansfield, but because he is a pastor and because he is uh, pro-justice and pro-Jesus. Now, last thing is you asked about, and I'll say this quickly, what do people make comments about like pastors and politics and all these mm -hmm. things? In the history of our nation, let's just be honest, the, the preacher was the politician in our community because we did not have the opportunity to do these things. So we're just now getting to this place in our country where the pulpit is not the end all be all, right? I can now promote to our congregation, go see a therapist. I'm not your therapist. That's good. Because <laughs> back in the day, the pastor was the therapist. He was the politician. He was the preacher. He was the most educated person. Yep. He was he was everything. And so that is now not happening anymore. What I pray is that we don't go to this extreme where the pastor means nothing to people. 
that he still right. has a respected place in their lives spiritually, but he is not God to the people. That's good. Where now he can be a he can be the pastor where he where he keeps watch over their soul. He gives them things that help spur them on to purpose, and they become the politicians. They become the therapists. They become the educators. They become the the the, the law enforcement leaders. They become you know the business owners, and he's not the all. Uh, end all be all for our community. And so when we look at that and people saying their lines blurred, well, we're just now getting to the point. Michael Levin has been a pastor for 25 years at Bethlehem. I believe that there are certain people who've been pastoring that long, that this is what God has called them to do. Now you got to check your calling. Right. I believe God's called him to do both. I believe God has called him to do both. And I think him being a pastor proves that he's pro justice and pro Jesus. The narrative that could be written about him won't be written because he is a pastor. That's but good. I believe it will also open the way to the guy in his congregation whose aspirations from the beginning is politics, but he loves Jesus, right? And so now he opens up a door that allows him to branch out. Somebody has to be the first. And he doesn't feel that he has to um, has to sacrifice his beliefs on on the altar right. of politics or lobbying and stuff like that. That's good. That's good. All right. That hey. was my rant for the RDW. No, that's good. That was good. <laughs> that was great. Hey, man, I appreciate both of you all for being on. One, getting back on, kind of giving everyone an update on on how you all have been, but also kind of um, diving into these conversations that you have at the table. And for those that may not have a table to uh, to sit at this holiday, I hope you enjoyed this this conversation uh, that sparked some some thoughts. Please. Uh, leave a comment, like, subscribe, do some things in here, review. Let us know what you're thinking and how uh, how, how this plays out, because um, you know we would love for to hear and and get your thoughts on on how this went and kind of uh, you know any other topics that you would love to to hear us kind of dive into and discuss along the way. So, gentlemen, Joseph, thank you for being a part. Thanks for thank you very much for having me on again. Yeah. I hope to be back on soon. Oh yeah, we, we, you you, you, you gonna hold us down. <laughs> you gonna hold us down from a from a health perspective. And Robert, again, thank you for for ranting and discussing and sharing some wisdom for us today. Hey man, hopefully when I come back, I'll be a hundred pounds down. I got fourteen to go. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Man, we 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 are uh, on this journey, and every time I see you, I'm, I tell I tell people, man, I look, I'm like, man, looking good now. You now. Hey, in the new year, hold on, I actually got some um, some fellas. I'm gonna do a two part series on how to build your closet, uh, and I'm gonna have it from a from a, a, a I won't call it a, a slim person uh, perspective, but uh, you know the uh, the lower side of the rack perspective and the upper side of the rack <laughs> perspective. Because I think people just you know you, you look at fashion, you look at this stuff, and every everything you open up GQ right is a dude that's yeah. you know six two uh, one seventy seven you know maybe right. And okay. he got an eight pack pecs, right? You know what I mean? And everything he wears, you're like, that's dope. But me, I am five seven. Don't work. Listen. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I agree. I know what you. I know what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, so so we, we're we're going to dive into that, and it'd be it'd be great to have that. So again, thanks to each and every one of you all for listening, uh, checking in, tuning in. Please, like I said, subscribe, like, share with those around, and we hope that you all have been healthy. Uh, for this holiday season. Other than that, we will see you all after a while.